this is episode 525 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for Monday, September 17th, 2018. I am your host, Mark Cruznez, and today I will be talking about more Spider-Man, but not too much. I know I said I would never talk about it again, but I lied. Uh, a little bit more blackout, probably. Some movie talk, uh, but the majority, I think, will be spent with Labyrinth of Refrain, Coven of Dusk, which came out on Vita, I think, in 2016, and has now arrived on Switch because, of course, everything from the past is new again on Switch. Um, and that is a Etrian Odyssey-esque game from uh, NIS America. Uh, and the the studio, I forget the name, but the studio behind the Disgaea series, and you can see that in the art style. Um, but let's just start with Spider-Man. So last episode, I said, uh, after having beaten it, I was going to try and 100% the game and get uh, all the trophies, platinum it. Uh, and after trying to do that for maybe an hour, just going through some of the bases, I realized... I'm not enjoying myself, and there's no point for me to do this because I don't like trophies that much, and there's no reason for me to waste my time that I could be spending with other games, games that I've played zero hours of, on this game that I just wasn't enjoying. And I think what made me realize I wasn't enjoying it uh, after having finished the story and all that is uh, the fact that I was going after the bases, and they have specific objectives that give you extra bonuses. Um, so you might be attacking a base, and it says web, pull, uh, five jetpack enemies, uh, and do ten combos uh, during this base attempt. And some of the objectives just end up not working out they don't feel that intuitive in combat it, it just doesn't feel smooth it makes the combat feel worse than i already think it feels i like i don't think the the combat is bad i think the combat is solid it is decent but i'm by no means in love with it i think there are some really poorly designed enemies that just are there to annoy you and frustrate you and make the combat uh, essentially worse because of their existence and the fact that they require a certain type of uh, strategy that it, they just they just feel bad and especially those big thugs that just seem to be like a train that is hard to stop uh, you will get things but it just i i feel like regardless of whether or not you can unlock abilities later on that make them a lot easier to deal with their existence is just stupid they're they're more difficult than kingpin and they're, you know, just as big, practically. But, yeah, I quickly decided, hey, I'm not going to do this. Put it back in the red box case and return it to the old red box. Um, so, yeah, Spider-Man, it's a, it's a really good, a great Spider-Man game. I just think it's an okay, decent game in general. And I know that it's it's hard to make something really that special with Spider-Man, because I don't have the answers. Um, when it comes to the crimes, what kind of crimes can you make that will add to the variety of just, uh, uh, instead of just having a bunch of different things where you end up beating up thugs, you know, there's a robbery, there's a mugging, there's 
a drug deal. There's this, there's that. And you just end up beating a bunch of thugs. There's a, a fight between the cops and the, th- the thugs. Um, there's a car chase because every Spider-Man game has to have car chases. I don't have the answers. Um, I haven't really thought about it all that much. But, yeah, it, it, it ended up being a pretty disappointing game. Despite being a good game, I was expecting something amazing. Uh, but it was just okay. And swinging, as good as it feels, there are times where it doesn't feel that great. And the camera, as great as it is in most cases, sometimes it can still be a bit finicky. Uh, especially indoors in tight places. But, uh, yeah. Maybe I'm just not into Spider-Man games anymore. Maybe I'm just sick of Spider-Man. But I don't think that's the case. I, I genuinely think the game itself is just... It's okay, and there's nothing wrong with it. And the story, I, I like parts of it, but I, I think what hurts the story for me is that while I like the antagonists, a good chunk of them, I think Fisk is garbage. I think he's just a, a waste, and like every time he chimes in to say something to me, I don't care. And Silver Saber, whatever the hell her freaking name is, who's, I guess, a good person who just butts heads with Spider-Man at times. I don't know. I've never, I have no idea. Uh, I've never heard of that character. I don't know nothing about her, but she just seemed like she was thrown in there just because, Hey, let's throw in someone that you don't often see, but I don't, I don't, I don't feel like her existence in the story was that well put together. I didn't enjoy any of that. I didn't enjoy her enemies. I didn't enjoy her storyline. I just found her to be tedious and annoying, and I just could not care less about her. Um, but uh, I, I enjoyed Doc Ock and Mr. Negative. Uh, and I guess Doc Ock, mentioning, like I mentioned it again because I already mentioned last episode, I guess that was a spoiler. I didn't realize that that was never mentioned because I never really followed the game. And also his existence, I'm pretty sure, is revealed very early on in the game. So... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I think part of the going back to the story and what I think was problematic for me is that I just never cared enough about Peter. And I especially, and this I think is just indicative to throwing you into Spider Man, Peter Parker's life, eight years into his career as a. Uh, Spider-Man or so, I think that's the the, the number. Um, his whole relationship with Mary Jane had no weight to me because I I knew due to what you know that they weren't together and all this stuff and some of their conversations. Okay, they had already gotten together. Uh, she knows about a secret. They had broken up because I guess the Spider-Man thing and all that, but having not gone through all of those experiences myself in the game, it's just like, okay, you, you tell me all these things happen, but I wasn't there to see them happen. Uh, so I can't care as much. And I may be in the minority with situations like that because, uh, in the similar vein, I was not that emotionally hit from the beginning of the last of us because you're introduced to these characters. And then 10 minutes later, the daughter dies or whatever spoilers if you haven't played that game already that's your fault i don't care but i 
wasn't that emotionally impacted by that scene. It, it was a sad moment, sure, but I, I wasn't crying. I wasn't all really torn by it because I barely had any time to uh, get to know the, the girl. So why why do I care? You know, to me, uh, and, and I'm not often emotionally impacted, I guess, by a story. Like, you have to give me more than just story bits to give me just the narrative. I have to have some kind of control, some kind of agency. I have to be part of it. I have to feel like I'm doing something for it to really affect me. Like with uh, KOTOR and Basila and, you know, my love helping her uh, come back to the, the light side. Or in Bioshock, the act of actually saving all the little girls. Doing things like that. Having me actually do something. Uh, that's what makes me invested uh, to an emotional level whereas with like spider-man i wasn't as uh, invested in the storyline and so when when things happen um i was like oh that's that's sad but whatever and i wasn't surprised by some of the things that happened i guess one of the things that happens in the end is surprising for some i was like oh okay i'm not i guess of course that's gonna happen whoop de doo <laughs> but uh i just realized i talked first i talked about spider-man for way longer than i was expecting to so i am sorry i promise this is the last time you will ever hear me talk about it because i'm not going to rent it again for the dlc because i'm not going to buy the dlc maybe i'll play it again a long time down the road when i can get the game for like 15 bucks but i'm in no rush to go back to the world and play more of it um and then Blackout, I played maybe a dozen or so matches since the last episode. And I do like it, but I'm a bit torn playing it. I often felt like, hey, you know what, I, I think I would rather just be playing PUBG because I like the size of PUBG. I like how much bigger the world is. I like how more methodical it is and slower paced it is. It's much more intense in that sense. Um... And I like the fact that while it doesn't play as well, that goes into how intense it gets and the fact that everyone is dealing with the same uh, problems and controls and, and all that. Whereas with Call of Duty, I feel like the biggest advantage you can have in Blackout is finding good armor uh, because... I think most of the weapons are pretty much the same level. You will occasionally find like a yellow or orange sniper rifle or, or some weapons that are colored. Uh, I found a few of those. Uh, I only ever found, I think, colored sniper rifles. But I feel like if you get into an attack with someone, it, it's just whoever has the better armor. And if you don't even find armor, then you're pretty much screwed. Um which is a bit frustrating, so I don't know if they're going to change that at all. I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how Blackout changes and adjusts from this beta um, at launch. Uh, and I, I mean, I, the thing I would love most, though, is just to have a bigger world so that there's, there's more time to breathe. Though, I mean, you can, you can end up in a spot like... I, uh, in the beta, if this is going to be reflective of how it plays out with the game at launch it seemed like the majority of people jumped out really early so if you just wait a little while you can get to a spot where 
you're by yourself you can collect a few things and you can just hide for a while if you end up landing in the zone uh and, and all that but um the armor system just feels like you, you get you get good armor that's all you need because the game controls well and everyone's at has that same advantage uh, and the weapons are pretty much they're all i don't feel like if they're stat based then i i don't know what those stats are you don't see them anywhere uh you can't check which is fine but uh i feel like they're pretty much on par for the most part except for like the the rare colored one you'd find uh so that in the end it's just who has the better armor that kind of sucks but ran well never had any lag or anything like that uh visually looks great um you know given this the scope and the fact that you're playing with a high number of people on the area is decently sized but i mean there's a lot of foliage and trees and stuff going on and other than that thing i mentioned last episode where like the very first time i, I loaded in it was just kind of like a little bit of load in for a few seconds i haven't experienced any more of that of course i am playing on an xbox one x so that may probably has something to do with it but i enjoy it i'm just I'm I'm I am curious to see I I just I want to play more of it cuz I haven't put nearly as much time I put you know 25 plus hours into PUBG and I put maybe like 2 hours into Blackout so there's a very big difference between the two. I enjoyed more than Fortnite though I think Fortnite to me if they just like I would be so into Fortnite. I mean I, I would play it a lot more. I wouldn't I don't think I'd be so into it. But I would play it way more and be much more inclined to play it if building wasn't part of it. But that's what makes Fortnite Fortnite and not PUBG. Uh you know, that's the biggest thing of course. There's there's more to it than just that, but building is the, the, the big difference and that's something that I don't have a handle on and I don't really wanna learn. It just like when I see people building and doing these crazy things and the fast building, I'm just like this is ridiculous. This is crazy. There's things building all around me. I don't like this. This is weird. I don't want anything to do with this. I'm just going to go hide in my corner and go play PUBG instead. Um, but that's me. There are, there are millions and millions and millions of people who disagree. Uh, so, yeah. Moving on to Labyrinth of Refrain, Coven of Dusk, which, like I said at the top, I believe... Um, I'm not sure because I had to re-record this a few times, uh, the intro at least. Uh, it is an actually an Odyssey-esque game, which means it is a first-person dungeon crawler grid base, and so you're just moving one space at a time. You can rotate, and then you're just you're building out the map for the base as you're traveling through it. And there are you start at the top level, and you're just continuously going down lower levels. And the lower you go, the stronger the enemies, etc. You take a party in with you, and you attack enemies. Uh, and it's it's very Etrianati Odyssey esque. The the difference, like I haven't run into too many differences yet, uh, and I'm not. I've I've put in a handful of hours into it. I'm not sure how many hours because the time the in game clock is incredibly messed up. I'm not sure. I feel like if you leave the game running. When you put it into sleep mode, I think it's still tracking time because it says I have like 12 hours into it, and I know I don't. Um, so that's weird and <laughs> a little annoying because I, I like when in-game clocks don't count pause, uh, 
when you're in the pause menu and stuff like that. Um, but that's definitely not the case with this. But the whole setup of this is that you are this witch. And I don't know if she was making a joke when she said she was Baba Yaga or not. But she goes by the name of Dronia. And she has this book, the Tract- uh, Tractatus de Monstrum, which I'm not sure what the hell's in the book, but I think it's able to control these puppets. So there is this town called Refrain, and in the middle of it is this well, and there's a labyrinth below. And many people have ventured down in there, but less than 10 or so have ever come out, uh, and all of them have run away, except for one who's reached the bottom, and then he wrote a book, which is that tract- uh, Tractatus of Monthrum, de Monthrum. Uh, <laughs> um, and so the witch arrives because the mayor asked for her to come and get shit from there or whatever. And so humans can't go down there because it just messes with them. So she has this little girl with her, I think Lulu, who I think she makes puppets or whatever. And she throws these puppets down there. And these puppets come to life due to all of the mana reserves down there. And I'm guessing, because she also throws the book down there, that the book is controlling them. I'm not sure if they made that apparent in the story. Because there's a lot of reading. There's a lot of story in the very beginning. Um, Just a lot lot of reading, which is to be expected. But you put these puppets down there, and then they come to life. And they're of various classes, so you'll have your roguish types your knights uh your like paladins um your mages and whatnot uh there are only six i'm not sure if you ever unlock any more and you can pick the gender and all that um and then you go around the the labyrinth the dungeon attacking enemies finding items and then you can bring them back and then you can sell them to one of the mayor's shops you can I don't know if you can upgrade items, but the interesting aspect of it is that because they are puppets, they are flimsy. Like their actual bodies are flimsy. And if they take a critical hit or if you die during a run, you will take limb damage and then you'll have a broken, busted limb, which you have to repair. And if you don't repair, the puppets will be, uh, they won't be as strong as they once were you'll have to repair them in order to bring them back to full strength and that that's an interesting aspect of it all Uh, and the same can happen with enemies you can uh, land a critical hit and then damage part of them which is cool but it's very at this point samey to all those types of games whether it's you know Etrian Odyssey or Persona Q um or you know like legends of grimrock as well which i think was the same kind of thing haven't played that in forever um uh you know you'll in the very beginning you you are limited in your first run but then you open up things so that you could see the enemies uh moving around the environment so that you can land surprise attacks if you attack them from behind or from the side they'll see you you can run away you can wait um and it's it's very basic. It, it, the thing about it compared to Etrian Odyssey is that there's... I don't even remember if Etrian Odyssey had a difficulty level you could pick uh, outright. But it's just 
so far very very easy and you can even use some of your mana points to make the game easier but it'll make a few things more difficult and you won't get as much mana um but i i like it because i like those types of games a lot there is something that i miss about playing the games on 3ds or or the ds just having the ability to draw the map myself that was always fun uh that's part of the thing i like about it. it's like oh i'm i'm traveling through this environment and i'm actually creating the map uh as opposed to having it just pre-built for you but you have to do it that way on the switch um I'm trying to think if there's anything that really that stands out about it it's all voice acted which was surprising but it's decent voice acting some stereotypical voices uh, that are, can be a bit annoying, especially the little Lulu girl. Um, but yeah, it's it's if you've played any game like this, you know exactly what to expect. Uh, you'll get plenty of hours out of this, of course. And do, 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 do. Yeah, it's a it's a solid game. I'm I'm enjoying it. It's uh, and I think it's a good type of game to have on the go. So it's a good game for Switch. It's a good port to have, despite being uh, older. Um, so that is Labyrinth of Refrain, Coven Dusk. I will probably talk about it more in a future episode if I run into things that make it more distinct from the the similar games I have mentioned numerous times already, uh, because that I think is what will make it important. Um, to know about but everything so far is pretty basic it, it does like the one thing i'd say is that it, it does feel like a first game in a potential new franchise it's just because i think of etrian odyssey and unless my memory is wrong i think you have way more class options which is nice because having only six feels very limited um but yeah the combat feels fine do 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 arts arts i mean you, if you've played this guy do you like this guy art this guy's art then you're gonna like this it's nice it's nice clean anime art i like that so uh moving on to a few really just one movie i watched an hour of Ocean's 8, and then I was like, I'm out of here. I don't I don't care enough. It's not terrible, but whatever. The weird thing about Ocean's 8, and the only reason why I want to bring it up, is that I had a, I had a really weird dream that morning that was bothering me that involved like my second crush from my uh, grammar school, and it was really weird because I have not consciously thought about her in a while i'm not when i say a while i mean years and years and years um and i feel like i think one of my friends from grammar school ended up setting us up and we just had a nice time together nothing crazy happened or whatever i just remember waking up and being really upset and annoyed by it because i was just like I, i was confused by it because i rarely remember dreams and when i do they're always exactly the same and they're about the same person for the last handful of years or whatever. And I'm like, what? and I'm so used to them that I'm like, I wake up and I have them and I'm like, okay, whatever, fine, moving on. Uh, so that was weird. Then I started watching Ocean's 8 that morning 
and maybe a half hour in, another uh, classmate from my grammar school popped up in the movie. Uh, I, I knew she was I, that she did a lot of theater, but I didn't know she was doing any movies or anything like that. Uh, my uh, my classmate Whitney White, she was uh, Anne Hathaway's assistant, and she had a few lines and, and had one uh, shot for like a second where it's just her on screen. And I, I, you know, if you were in the theater, you'd be like, "Oh my God, look how huge Whitney White's head is right now." But it was really cool and weird seeing her just pop up having not known that she was in it um, we're facebook friends but i don't i don't know if i follow her because i just turn off a lot of people so that i don't have a busy feed um, but that was really weird seeing her show up in it but it was also very cool it's like oh she's in and that's her first role i believe where she had an actual name she might have been called Cynthia. She was never mentioned in the movie as far as I know. And I don't know if she popped up later in the movie. I don't think so. I was like just fast forwarding to see. Um, and she's been in two other things, I guess. She was on Louie as I think stripper number two in some episode. And then in another show as some other kind of like numbered character, random character. But that was cool. And then this morning I woke up without a dream. I felt really good. Fell back asleep for a little bit. Woke up with a, another really weird dream where I don't know what the hell was going on, but like it turned into some kind of weird rom com situation. And it was just two nights in a row of remembering dreams. I don't like it. I wish I could never remember dreams. I don't need them in my life. They're a waste of. They're not a waste of time because you're sleeping anyway, but they're just a waste of thought processes. And I don't need to have them lingering in my head when I'm awake during the day and all that crap. But yeah, Ocean's 8 was good. Also, I watched uh, My Fellow Americans, I believe it's called, a movie with James Garner, Jack Lemmon, and Dan Aykroyd, where James Garner and Jack Lemmon are former presidents. Dan Aykroyd is the current president, and they are trying to... Dan Aykroyd and his people... Uh, one in particular played by Bradley Whitford, who is his, I don't know, I don't remember what position he was, but they're trying to pin this bad stuff on Jack Lemmon, the former, the last president, uh, or not the last president, but the Dan Aykroyd was Jack Lemmon's uh, vice president, so they're just pinning that on him from his run as president. And it just turns into this crazy thing where James Gardner is trying to help Jack Lemmon so that he can get a chance to run again and be on the Democratic ticket. Ticket, and then crazy things start happening, and they're they're trying to murder the presidents, and they blow up Air Force helicopter, whatever the hell it's called. And it's just like it it becomes really really insane. But it was a fun little time, uh, in large part because James Gardner and Jack Lemmon are two fantastic actors who I both, I, I love both of them quite a bit. So it's just fun watching them play off each other in the same way that it's fun watching Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon play off each other. So I'd recommend checking that out if you can. I'm sure it's you know available on like Amazon for rental and all that kind of crap. But you can also get it from Netflix DVD or your local library probably uh so yeah 
I, I'd recommend checking that out. Anyway, that will do it for this here episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Mark Krijanez. Y'all can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Xbox Live, my Animalis, Steam, Twitch, and all the usual places at PX Sausage. On PSN, I am the Kush3. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast, and Attack the Backlog, which I am currently in the process of editing, and it's taking a little bit more time because I'm like I'm trying I'm experimenting with uh things to do with the video that I hopefully that will hopefully turn out well and that people will like and appreciate so that and you know I've just had other life things that keep me from devoting too much time to that and in addition to work and all that so I would say that'll hopefully be out by the end of the month and then after I get all that done and get a handle of the way everything works, it'll come out at a more frequent basis. Um, so, yeah, look forward to that. But the podcasts are available on podcast services across the globe, like Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to check out some of the art I do, and especially if you like colorful, crazy art, go over to pxsart.com and check it all out over there. And if you'd like to support the site in general and everything we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us there. Or, of course, you can also just support us uh, straight via PayPal. There's a link uh, on the site and all that jazz. But uh, do whatever you want to do or don't. It's all right. No, no, no problem here. (laughs) Anywho, that is where I say bye. Bye.